0: I'm uh I got to let you know something. Hit me. To uh spite you for a couple episodes ago, I drank some chocolate milk for dinner. I love you. <laughs> I
1: hope <laughs> I hope it goes down smooth and comes up rough. <laughs> Everybody and welcome to Backstage Gaming, dramatic takes on your favorite games. I'm Chris. And this is Dylan. And we're here for you on December 24th, the day before Christmas, if you care about Christmas. What other two-month-old podcast cares enough about the listeners to record at this time of year? I don't know the answer to that question, that was just rhetorical. But here we are. <laughs> so, this is gonna hopefully be a pretty... Easy, breezy, beautiful episode. We're going to sort of do a continuation of last week's episode when we were talking about silent protagonists. Uh, this time we're going to talk about when they're not quite so silent, and when that works, and also when it doesn't work quite or so maybe well. somewhere
0: in between.
1: Yeah, but first of all, it is the 24th, so if you care about Christmas, Merry Christmas. If you don't, I hope that whatever celebration you've had around this time of year has gone beautifully and if you don't care at all about celebrations in this time of year then join me in wishing a very happy birthday to your best friend and mine ricky martin that's right sure. 46 years of living la vida loca for ricky martin today oh, on yep. december 24th
0: okay cool <laughs> <laughs> say what you gotta say i guess
1: i mean that was it i just you know
0: weird flex but okay <laughs>
1: Yeah, that was, you know, here we are. Um, (laughs) So yeah, I am very tired. Um, If my voice peters out and dies during this episode, it is because I have, it's the holidays and I work in retail. It's, it is my curse. But here we are and we're going to have fun and I'm here hanging out with my best friend Dylan. So it's going to be a good time. Um, Like I said, if I peter out and die. (laughs)
0: Oh, man, t'was the night before Christmas, and all... And Chris it, was dead. And through your speakers, now that Chris was making noise, <laughs> no, I don't know.
1: It's gonna be bad podcasting. Merry um, Christmas!
0: That was the worst
1: noise that you have ever produced. <laughs> okay, before we... Can't wait we, to hear that back. Before we expel any more poison into our listeners' ears, uh... <laughs> so... Silent protagonists are a staple of video gaming history. We talked a lot about this last week, but in case you didn't listen to that and you don't want to go back and you know interrupt this good listening experience, um, <laughs> a, uh, a quick rundown. We just sort of talked last week about sort of what they are and how character can kind of be inferred from the way that a silent protagonist be. It was uh, the Dylan Stans silent protagonist hour. Yeah, Dylan very <laughs> much loves silent protagonists, and so that was uh, he, a lot They're, of Dylan's They are tapes. the hill
0: I will die on.
1: <laughs> That's fair. I love them too. Um, And a good one that we sort of used as our early example was uh, Sonic the Hedgehog, and I'm not talking about the awful new one. I'm talking about the charming old one.
0: Well, we He's, don't know. The new one might just be a freakish charming hedgehog and really isn't that what Sonic's all about Chris you're dead to me Uh, (laughs)
1: but yeah so Sonic is a good example of a very well designed silent protagonist all of his original sprite animations are incredibly evocative he's got a ton of personality baked into just like the way that he moves and the way that he stands and like the way that he's shaped like everything about him gives off the ideas of like speed and 90s tood so you know maybe that's why he's not aged so well in some respects but it's a good design and it leaves a very firm image in your mind of like I feel like I know what this guy's about Sonic's also an interesting uh sort of case study in looking at when silent protagonists aren't quite so silent because he's been not silent a lot in a lot of very different ways for
0: the past 20 years more or less
1: yeah dylan you are the resident expert on all things sonic so why don't you take us through some of sonic's early brushes with voice acting
0: all right so uh the original voice for sonic was in the early 90s adventures of sonic the hedgehog cartoon which was very fun vaguely Okay, I'm. I'm gonna be honest with you. Those those cartoons suck. <laughs> okay, uh, I want you to know that like, I have not
1: touched any piece of media related to that cartoon in the past ten to fifteen years.
0: So, okay, there there are three '90s Sonic cartoons. You might be thinking of the good one. There was one before that that was good very. There was one before that that was very inspired by like the Roadrunner Coyote cartoons, and that. Thank aesthetic. you for
1: thank you for giving me. Far more credit than I deserve in assuming I was talking about the good one.
0: (laughs) You were talking about the bad one. I have no idea. Because I remember watching that on Toon Disney, the the bad one, and I I had fond memories of it. And, like, you know, it has become a common pastime of me and my friends back home in Cleveland to watch the So Bad They're Good cartoon adaptations of various video games. See... (laughs) the street fighter cartoon see uh <laughs>
1: guns are for wimps
0: <laughs> i love guns guns are for wimps uh yeah the uh street fighter cartoon the the amazingly bad uh donkey kong cg cartoon there's a donkey kong <gasps> oh have CG. you not i probably peeked the mic i i don't check care I'll, pe- I'll bring it down this
1: is great podcasting <laughs> have you
0: not seen...
1: i have not okay there is a music when you number say ve- when you say very episode, bad cg okay yes when you say very bad CG yes on a scale from I typed in a random word into Steam and got an unfinished Unreal Engine game <laughs> to like the best I'm willing to give you here in my assumptions is Jimmy Neutron like where on that sliding scale do we Jimmy rest I Jimmy
0: Neutron was going to come up here and <laughs> let me tell you uh, this show makes Jimmy Neutron look like goddamn Pixar <laughs> oh no <laughs> anyway we um, need to talk about sonic <laughs> okay but actually now that i think about it that is another case of giving a silent protagonist a voice
1: they give donkey kong a voice
0: oh he sings my dude
1: oh okay we're
0: <laughs> we're adding that to the episode yes okay
1: let's go back to sonic because yeah let's, let's scaffold get our this shit I'm, I'm bringing my teaching artist brain into this but like we're coming back to donkey
0: <laughs> putting a bullet right there <laughs>
1: Maybe, maybe multiple bullets. He might need several.
0: <laughs> um. Anyway. <laughs> so, yes, Sonic. Um. There is the Roadrunner, Coyote-inspired Sonic the Hedgehog cartoon, Um, which is terrible. It has not aged well at all. Like, we watched <laughs> this, like, getting some drinks, thinking, ah, this will be a good time, just like the Donkey Kong cartoon, or the ilk. And... We watched it, and it's just not good. <laughs> <laughs> like it's bad, dude. Um, and tell me and about so, the Sonic. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna list the other 90s shows because they're all kind okay. of under the same. I want to say zeitgeist, but that's probably not the right use of that term. Um,
1: I, I, I get, I know, I get what you mean. I know what. Yeah,
0: they they are all kind of this similar 90s ratitude, Uh <laughs> all voiced by the same person, Jaleel White. Um, um. Gratitude needs to be brought back. <laughs> Stop. No, it doesn't. Uh, Julia White—that is the the actor's name for Steve Urkel, right? Yes, yes. Okay, yes. we're good. I double check that. Which just is now. another of my favorite little bits of like actor crossover. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. Okay, so you you have Julia White, and then the first one, he's just you know, he's like, "Hey, Doctor Eggman, you suck," or like you know, like uh. Look at the dumb bots over there, you know, like, saying, like, these stupid nothingisms. But, the, uh, the,
1: you know, the thing about that, though, mm-hmm. they're stupid. That is not good writing. But when you consider that the very first image anyone ever gets of Sonic is him popping up, winking, and wagging his finger in a, like, eh, eh, eh kind of way, like, that's kind of perfect
0: character writing for him. Oh, yeah, no, it's very apt for Sonic. It needs um, refinement. Definitely. <laughs> but... uh, I think... Something that like writers for Sonic don't really seem to get about the character, specifically the classic version of the character is that there is a wholesomeness to Sonic that I think uh writers kind of want to ignore, yeah, um, I feel like you run into that with a lot of adaptations involving
1: like characters where there's like one thing that people know about them is you run into the trouble
0: of like you have to give them gratitude,
1: yeah, like for Sonic, it's like Sonic has to have gratitude at all times it's it's the same problem of like to tell a, a brief anecdote um i was once on the train here in chicago and i was going down to a class i was taking a voiceover class mm-hmm. oh, and right, there was right. a couple of people sitting across from me dylan you know this story <laughs> yes I love and they this were story. they were discussing uh dragon ball z which was just very wholesome because it was like this like i would guess like probably 45 to 50 year old black dude and this like 18 or 19 year old nerdy white guy and they were both equally geeked out about dragon ball z which like thrilled me a little bit in a like oh crossing boundaries look at these strangers having a bonding experience about your friend and mine goku um but i'm sitting there and i'm just sort of like casually eavesdropping because i'm invested now and i hear the younger guy say something to the effect of Yeah, I've been thinking about getting into voiceover, because, I mean, I can do all of the voices from Dragon Ball Z Abridged, (laughs) and me sitting across the train from them on my way to a voiceover class with my, you know, degree and experience as a performer, and I just sort of, like, died? (laughs) But, like, the point I'm getting at is here is, like, this guy, I'm sure he can do, you know passable or maybe even very good impressions of these characters from Yu-Gi-Oh! abridged yeah but the the issue is like you're you can't do a performance in that voice if all you can do is an impression you have to be able to like add the different nuances and like act in a character voice in order for it to like actually be reasonable speaking Uh, as
0: someone who like had that mentality in middle school like When you are replicating a voice, you are doing just that. You're thinking, how would this actor who uses this voice say this line? And you are not actually putting the thought or the work into the line yourself to think, like, this is what I am trying to convey to the audience. Exactly,
1: exactly. There's a great scene in one of my favorite documentaries called I Know That Voice, in which Joe DiMaggio just interviews a whole bunch of his voice actor friends. uh, And one one of the, I don't remember who starts the bit, but someone's like, yeah, anyone can do... Like, a passable Bugs Bunny, but can you do Shakespeare as Bugs Bunny? And then there's just a montage of all these voice actors doing, like, voices that they are famous for, like, going through different Shakespeare soliloquies, and it's so good. And, like, I feel like that's the problem that a lot of, like, this 90s era of Sonic ran into, is they were like, we're gonna give him Ratitude, and then they didn't consider whether that was always the
0: the appropriate read. Right, right. (laughs) <laughs> like, uh, I, I I don't mean to go on this huge digression, but I, I need to talk about the fucking Japanese Sonic covers. <laughs> Every Sonic the Hedgehog Japanese cover has, like, some sort of blurb on it. And, uh, the one that I'm looking at right now is the original Sonic the Hedgehog cover. And on it, like, near the bottom of, like, in very fine print, you can read, don't just sit there and waste your press... Sorry. Didn't do my vocal warm ups. Don't just <laughs> sit there and waste your precious time. When you want to do something, do it right away. Do it when you can. It's the only way to live a life without regrets. <laughs> Sega. Our, all right, Lin Manuel Miranda's Twitter account. <laughs> like what? And everything is like that. Like, oh my gosh. I'm sorry. I have to. I have to look it all up now.
1: I'm. This is incredible. I didn't know that Sega was offering like pearls of genuine wisdom.
0: <laughs> yeah. No. And like Sonic. I, this is the type of personality, like the, the free spirit that like I, I think the creators perceive Sonic to have, yeah, where there's like there's this layer of wholesomeness to it that like just gets lost. Um, Sonic CD to live a life of power, you must have faith that what you believe is right, even if others tell you you're wrong. The first thing you must do is live a life of power uh, to live a life of power is to find courage. You must be ready to reach beyond the boundaries of time itself, and to do that. <laughs> All you need to, all you need is the will to take that first step. What? Alright, one more. Sonic 3. I need to,
1: I need to turn this podcast off and go, like, cut down a tree. (laughs) And then feed it to the hungry.
0: Okay, there's, there's one more, and I'm hoping I can find it, because it has one of my favorite sign-offs ever. So, this is for the Sonic and Knuckles cover, and now I'm trying to enlarge it so i can actually read the text so you have the sonic knuckles logo then the title and then under that again in super fine english print sonic races through the green fields the sun races through a blue sky filled with white clouds the ways of his heart are much like the sun sonic runs and rests the sun rises and sets don't give up on the sun don't make the sun laugh at you What the (laughs) fuck? What does it mean? I don't know. (laughs) Well, now I'm living in constant fear of that
1: I'm living a life in which the son is laughing.
0: (laughs) Sonic is a carefree spirit, and he is also a poet.
1: Are you sure that he wasn't saying, don't let your son laugh at you?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Telling that to the parents by, like, thinking about buying this for their kids.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god. Okay. I love that. I was completely unaware of this and I I agree. I think that this speaks to like a little bit more of the character that they were trying to get at. Now I'm thinking about the OVA Sonic that is my favorite.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, I'm getting there. Uh okay. but anyway, to to kind of wrap up the rest of the White Sonic. Um so there's the Roadrunner and Coyote One, which sucks, and Sonic has his typical ratitude self and it, it's kind of annoying and grating and irritating because there's nothing to really become attached to mm-hmm. in that cartoon. Um, because like, you know, in the, uh, the road runner and coyote cartoons, like even though like there's no real dialogue and even though like there's no real protagonist, you still kind of feel for the coyote just because he is humanized. Yeah. Um, and like whether or not you want to see him catch the road runner is like a separate issue, but like, you feel some degree you care about of, like, empathy. Yeah, exactly. Sonic, you know, the, the people who would be in the coyote's place are the bad guys, and they're dumb and annoying. And then you have Sonic, and Sonic is just this snide little fuck. <laughs> so, there's there's really nothing there. The second Sonic cartoon is, like, this like, post-apocalyptic, like, Fern Gully-esque thing. Where, now, uh, this
1: one I remember being very bad, but I also remember really liking it.
0: Uh, This one, actually, a lot of people seem to like. Like, this is the popular one. And I haven't actually seen it myself, not since I was, like, four or five and rented a VHS of it at a local video store. But, you know, from what I I remember, like, the the fact that there is this very dark story and, you know, Sonic has stakes and things that he cares about. Sonic has family relations. Sonic has friends. And they all have—there's an actual emotional center— Then Sonic's kind of snide Ratitude behavior becomes a little bit more Endearing because he is fighting Overwhelming odds And then there's the third cartoon Sonic Underground which I don't Really get like Sonic is the The son of a queen and he has Two siblings and they form a rock band I was gonna say is this the one with the punk Band this is the one with the punk band Yeah all of them
1: the most 90s thing That's ever existed Uh,
0: Sonic's brother and sister also voiced By Jaleel White (laughs) Oh god, uh, I
1: need the footage so- from the sound Sonia booth of Jaleel and Jaleel White
0: just are their names. Wildly
1: talking to himself. <laughs> oh I need that.
0: But oh my goodness. I, I don't know what the idea behind that show was, and like, you know, I'm sure the Sonic as a character in that is like fine, but that show had other problems. <laughs> <laughs> um, so oh yeah, we'll god. we'll move on to the Sonic from the Sonic OVA. Uh, I've never seen the OVA in Japanese because, you know, you rent that once um, as a kid and you hear the English voices and you are now attached to the English voice for life, even if it is not good. Um, But that Sonic is uh, kind of a dick, honestly. I love him. He's like my favorite Sonic, but like he's just kind of he, he just kind of wants to relax and not do anything. And people keep asking him to save the world. And he's like, all right, I guess I'll do it. Fine. There's
1: such a. I love that OVA, but there's such a weird energy to it. Like, yeah, yeah. I, I. It's hard to describe. It's worth looking up. I think it's on YouTube. It um,
0: is. Uh, no one has the rights to it currently because ADV Films does not exist anymore. So you yeah. can very easily, technically legally, that's a legal gray area. Um, look it up <laughs> on YouTube and watch the whole thing.
1: Yeah, and it's like, it's got this weird, like it. In a lot of ways, it feels like the kind of story that would be made now it if it could. was polished up a little bit more. Like, it's got yeah. this this energy that makes me think of, like, I don't know, a little bit something
0: like Gravity Falls-ish. Yeah, I could see that. That's, like, a really weird... Uh, that's a weird grab, but it makes sense. It's
1: a weird grab, and I'm I'm having trouble this
0: trouble where, like, I can't pin down what it is about it that makes me think that way. I mean, it, it's got this nice balance of, like, comedy with, like, sinister undertone um yeah and like you know it is not well written mind you but like <laughs> nope <laughs> they they hit enough of the right notes that like you're still you're enjoying what you're watching at least yeah. i don't know it, it is a very weird beast but yeah and then you know has... oh sorry i was just gonna say a lot of the appeal of that is its aesthetics um it uses the same art style as sonic cd which uh Lovely, He's very uh, good. <laughs> lovely illustrator man Tyson Hess uh, used as like kind of the basis for his designs for Sonic Mania, um, the Sonic Mania opening. So, you know, it, it's got it's got this innate, um, I don't want to say artistic appeal, but it has this innate uh, aesthetic appeal. Moving forward, yeah, Sonic then canonically talks. Yeah, there have been
1: three. Okay, correct. Yes. Yeah, so current voice actor for Sonic is Roger Craig Smith. Yes. Uh, there were... I don't remember who did it before him. I Jason just Griffith.
0: Hope. Thank you. Don't worry, I, I know my Sonic. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, once 4Kids uh, got the rights to Sonic X, they hired the studio that does all their other shows to dub Sonic X, and that studio would also go on to do the Sonic in the games Um, the characters in the games, rather. Um, Before that, you had Ryan Drummond as Sonic, and I think they had just a bunch of talent in, I want to say, New York. Um, I I I think it was still New York, but... I think that's correct.
1: Yeah. Uh, You hit Sonic Adventure, which is the first game in which he talks, I believe. Yes. And that Sonic has basically been, you know, there's been some alterations and some differences, but like the vibe that was set for that is basically the Sonic that we've gotten in all of the game media since
0: then. Yes and no. Uh I'll get into that later, but continue. Keep I'm, talking. I'm talking
1: broad strokes. I don't wanna I don't wanna do forty minute oh I guess we could just do forty minutes on Sonic, I suppose.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I I just wanted to get out real quick that like um with, like, the change of writers and also mm-hmm. the change of performances. uh, Like, Sonic has kind of changed throughout the uh, 20s and... Uh, or 2000s and 2010s. Yeah. Um, Ryan Drummond's Sonic Adventure, like, his first line is, Ah, yeah, this is happening. Which kind of <laughs> sa- tells you everything you need to know about the character. Uh, except the... it's not...
1: Here's, here's the issue. And, mm-hmm. like, not to hate on Ryan Drummond. I don't know the dude. Mm-hmm. He's not a bad voice actor. But, like... There was something in the direction of that line because it's not you just said it like a human would. You said, "Oh yeah, this is happening." The way the line is actually delivered is more along the lines of, "Oh yeah, this is happening." (laughs) (laughs) And it's there's something about it that's so stilted that I absolutely love.
0: (laughs) There's I I could talk for you know a solid thirty minutes on the voice acting in the Sonic Adventure games alone, and I will choose not to. For the sake of this podcast. Maybe another episode. Maybe another episode. Um, <laughs> Tweet
1: at us with hashtag BSGpod if you want to hear Dylan's ramblings on Sonic the, the Sonic oh Adventure voice acting. I actings. have a lot of those. There, There is one other thing, like a, a moment in Sonic's history that I want to look at mm-hmm. because I think it's fascinating. Yeah. Uh, recently, there are a few games in which you have what they refer to as like, nowadays Sonic interacting with classic Sonic. Mm. This first happened in... Oh, what was it called? Sonic Cry- Generations. Thank you. Gener- I want The only thing coming to mind was Colors, and I knew it wasn't Colors. Uh, Sonic Generations, it happens again in the recent uh, Sonic Forces, the the OC Generator game, and I just love that they... That's a really interesting thing for me to look at whenever I see it, because you've got, you know, Sonic as he has come to be in his current iteration with like the big cocky grin and he's voiced by Roger Craig Smith doing all of these like <laughs> yeah and then you've well, got like oh, the sorry. smaller like little rotund silent protagonist Sonic who rolls in and is just like if anything they seem to have like toned down the ratitude yeah.
0: no uh classic Sonic has the wholesomeness that uh yep. was missing i you know i think a better way to describe it is like modern Sonic is for all intents and purposes sonic as was marketed by america yep and then classic sonic is sonic as originally envisioned by his creators
1: yeah and it's a very cool little dynamic because it it they do such a good job of characterizing him as subtly different in all of these like much more wholesome ways from modern sonic all through just the way that he moves and the way that he like you know physically inhabits the space and i just think that's a really cool sort of thing to look at. Like, go look up any given cutscene involving both modern and classic Sonic for one of those games and just like enjoy the kind of surreal experience of seeing these two very different interpretations of this
0: character next to each other. I think all I wanted to say, and then we can move on from Sonic, is that for the like the three main voices, like the first one is kind of like, ah oh, yeah, this is happening, which is like very excited about nothing. It is, Mm -hmm. like, it is a show of personality without any substance. Um, And as much as I love uh, the adventure games, I think that is the perfect way to describe the Sonic (laughs) from Sonic Adventure. (laughs) Very flashy with, like, zero personality. Um, Then you have Jason Griffith, who, especially by Sonic Unleashed, kind of gives the character a bit more of a genuineness. Like, a lot of his lines are, are delivered with, kind of that wholesomeness that you're missing uh mm. in the other sonics and then we get to uh Roger Craig Smith and uh the the people writing for him like give Roger Craig Smith like a very snarky personality um which is more apparent in Sonic Boom the TV series but uh all of the games that like Roger Craig Smith Sonic is in like very one-liner heavy uh very snarky very uh he he has to get the last joke in yeah um, so yeah, that's all I wanted to add. Yeah,
1: it's also just fun for me because now every time I watch "Say Yes to the Dress," all I can hear is Sonic the Hedgehog.
0: <laughs> I'm glad I ruined that for you. No, you you ruined. <laughs> <laughs> that's <laughs> enhanced. <sad. laughs>
1: um, I want to talk very briefly about the '80s phenomenon, uh, or
0: '90s, I guess. When the fuck did those shows come out? Uh. The, Mario came out in the 90s I want to say yeah. Zelda came out in the 80s. Yeah. I want to
1: We're going to talk about the two sort of white elephants in the in the room. That's a, I wow, I just mixed my metaphors. Chris Chris sleepy boy. That's um, an
0: elephant of a different color. That's <laughs> I was watching the Wizard Oz earlier today. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm
1: dying. <laughs> We're going to talk uh, about the uh the Nintendo events, um, events, and I—I d- I don't want to dwell on these because I think that like making fun of the Zelda cartoon and the Super Mario Brothers Super Show cartoon are both
0: like no, those are not hot takes. Those are you know what the- is a hot take though. The Zelda cartoon is actually legitimately good. Fight me, Zelda fans. That's what I was going to get to as well. Okay, you know what? Shut up, because I'm going to say it right now. Come at me.
1: Yeah, no, like, I do a lot of categorizing of my media that I enjoy. And there is a category of media that Chris really, really likes that Chris accepts are not actually, like, good as defined by the masses. Like... (laughs) I really, 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 really love bad campy movies. Yeah. I adore a, with all my heart Lou Ferrigno's Hercules.
0: You're, you're a Mystery Theater uh, 2000. Wait, no. Wow. I completely. Mystery Science Theater of. 3000. Science yes. Theater 3000. Wow. yes, yeah, Thank I, you.
1: But here's the thing. I love that show, and I love what they do with, like, taking the piss out of these movies, but I would also just watch those movies and laugh and have a great time without their commentary. Exactly. (laughs) Um, And for me, Zelda... Like, the Zelda show and the Mario show both fall into this vein where, like, I recognize what they are trying to do. They came about in the same era as things like G.I. Joe and things like the Street Fighter cartoon and all of these, like, cartoons as commercials, essentially. And when viewed alongside those sort of contemporaries and through that lens, like, the Zelda cartoon is a perfectly fine example of that kind of cartoon.
0: I, think, I like it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I think, you know, a lot of people who take issue with this take issue specifically with the fact that Link, and this is a segue to talking about his character. Mm-hmm, right? mm-hmm, we got there. Uh, yeah. Like, uh, like Anyway, uh, people take issue with the fact that Link is basically that 16-year-old who thinks he's Han Solo. (laughs) (laughs) Yup. And, you know, he's just like, you know, I decided to stay in the kingdom because maybe I'll get a smooch from the princess. But whatever. (laughs) I'm here just because I want a kiss on a babe. (laughs) And, like, you know, that can be grating. But, like, considering that there are as many incarnations of Link as... Almost as many... There's a lot of links. There's a lot of (laughs) Zelda games. Shut up. Uh, (laughs) But, you know, the fact that one of them is just a douche canoe makes me really (laughs) amused, okay? Oh, good term. Good terminology.
1: (laughs) And, like, yes, like, yeah, yeah, excuse me, princess, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, like... The show itself, like, there's some fun episodes, there's some fun gags, like, they, it's not good. I'm not well, gonna put it alongside any- It's not any...
0: Batman the Animated Series, no, but that's not Batman. Mean...
1: Yeah, but, like, that's yeah. what I was gonna get at, like, there, if your issue is there are better cartoons, like, of course there are.
0: <laughs> it's, it's like He-Man, like, He-Man yeah. is not a good cartoon, but, like, I watched it for Skeletor, and, like, you know, it's campy. And I'm getting both of those from the Zelda cartoon and the Zelda cartoon's better animated. It's true. So, it's very true. You know, <laughs> have yeah. some fun.
1: Yeah. Same. Same deal with the the Mario cartoon. Like, no, it's not good. But dang, if I didn't have fun watching that show.
0: But anyway, yeah. Let's let's talk about the characterization of these characters, like we originally set out to do. <laughs> um, anyway, yeah. I talked about Link. He's he's this Han Solo wannabe who. You know, he constantly flirts poorly with uh, Zelda, <laughs> and, you know, they, they kind of have this bickering back and forth. Uh, I, I'd say will they, won't they, but let's be honest, they never will in this incarnation. Nope, not, not, no. <laughs> but, like, Link is this, you know, he, he he's this adventurer, he's this person who is used to a life of, like, camping, and, like, sleeping in the woods, and adventuring, and getting into tavern fights, and... You know he he's very he he decides to live in the castle and like he's bored with like the royal court life but at the same time he 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 really that Zelda
1: thing that is worth noting mm-hmm. uh, I I completed my Google search wonderful the Legend of Zelda the game came out in 1988 the Legend okay. of Zelda or sorry 1986 I was wrong yes. Zelda 2, The Adventure of Link, came out in 1987. Okay. The next game was Link to the Past in 1991, 92. meaning that when oh, this show came out in 1989, the only games it had to draw on were Legend of Zelda and Adventure of Link, neither of which really did anything textually to characterize this guy.
0: Yeah, all you know all- about Link is that he showed up one day and. Someone asked him to save the princess, and he did. Yeah. And in the second one, um, they add, like... A, they raise the stakes a little bit, but, like, really, they didn't do anything to give him a personality.
1: Yeah. So what we've got to go off of this for this guy is the way he moves around. He's good with a sword. He's good with a
0: shield. He's resourceful. He used to be a vagabond. He now is no longer.
1: Yeah. And so... When you look at it like that, the the choices they made for how to, like, translate this into the series actually make a fair amount of sense. Like, are they the best choices they could have made?
0: No. They don't really age particularly well.
1: (laughs) No. But what Dylan was just saying about this guy all tracks with what the information that was available to be adapted was. Also, now I really want to go back and play The Adventure of Link.
0: Oh, it's... That's... I actually like that one more than the first one.
1: I do, too. We we have very similar against-the-grain-game takes. Yeah. Yeah.
0: God. Adventure of Link Um, is really good. Yeah. It's it's slept on. Uh, Yeah. Zelda fans are used to a very specific formula, and any deviation must be punished. (laughs) (laughs) Oh... I love Breath of the Wild. Terrible Zelda game. <laughs> uh, just the worst. The worst um, Zelda game. You know, it's 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 fine on its own, you know, game of the year, whatever. But, like, as a Zelda game, what a <laughs> piece of trash.
1: Okay, oh, I'm oh, done. You think that's a Zelda game? Um, anyway. <laughs> We're losing all five of our listeners. Yeah. <laughs> I don't really have anything more compelling than that to add about the Mario TV show. Like, yeah, Mario like, they had are arguably Italian plumbers. Yeah, Mario had arguably less character to plumb than Link did, plum. and like,
0: hmm? you said plumb.
1: <laughs> Fuck you. It was not intentional. Oh, it wasn't. It wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, that show is responsible for a lot of what kind of became his character going forward. Sort of. They also, you know, jettisoned a bunch of it. Like, I don't think he's from Brooklyn anymore. <laughs> but you don't know that he could be um
0: what's yeah, new I'd... dark city chris
1: <laughs> fair enough
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> but yeah those i think that those are both interesting to look at just from a like how little they had to mine and how like looking at what they did with it um but yeah go go give legend of zelda another try
0: Yeah, like that show's kind of fun. (laughs) Just just look at it as a generic '80s fantasy show.
1: Yeah, um, but we have one more thing we want to talk about, and it's a big one. Um, both Dylan and I, because again, we have very similar just like takes on games in general. We both really like us some uh, some Metroid, some Samus. Boy, do I! I I love me some Samus. Uh, For those of you who are not as familiar, the Metroid series was originally uh, a side-scrolling exploration action game series. The first one was on the original Nintendo, then there was Super Metroid on the SNES, and there's been a bunch of different iterations, including uh, some 3D first-person games for the GameCube and Wii, the Metroid Prime series that are, like, Metroid Prime is one of my favorite games of all time. It is so very good. Uh, But they all star this character named Samus Aran, who is the coolest. Uh, The big reveal at the end of the first Metroid game, if you beat it, is that this badass, like, fully power-armored, butt-kicking mercenary you've been playing as the whole game is actually a woman. Are they human? Are they a robot? We don't know.
0: And then she turns out to be a girl.
1: And, you know, this blue eight-year-olds in the 80s brains straight out of their heads. But that was sort of like the big reveal and then throughout all of her games through the Metroid Prime series Samus was always characterized as like she works on her own because she thinks she can do more and better that way than working with the military she's highly capable she's very resourceful most of the games begin with her like in some way being stripped of her arsenal like she's got this armor suit that fails her in some way and she has to go like sort of scavenging through this hostile world gathering the pieces back together so that she can become strong enough to like take on more and more
0: challenges again and sometimes she just doesn't even have an excuse she just starts the game without any of her old stuff yep and
1: so all in all like again this is a series where you never really get a ton of character moments in the way that you would conceive of them in like another piece of media like you don't get a ton of time of like here is samus interacting with a person in a way that doesn't involve her gun there are exceptions uh is it is it super metroid or zero mission where she like adopts the baby metroid
0: uh that's the end of super met or that's what that I... is the end of some that is the end of metroid 2 return of samus okay um, i had the... my i had my wires crossed yeah there is a kind of prologue the story so far intro to super metroid where it shows her giving the baby Metroid to some scientists for research.
1: Uh, for, again, for anyone who doesn't know, Metroids are face huggers from alien, essentially. Thank you. I was about to say the same yeah, thing. Like, not exactly,
0: but close enough. They are scary alien parasites. If you find one, odds are you're dead.
1: Yeah. Again, silent protagonist, but one with a lot of sort of stuff about them that could be intuited or was included in like title crawls and uh manuals. Sometimes Nintendo uh, Power comics. Yeah. Just like she was silent, but she very much had a character. And then they decided to give her a game in which she had a voice and was gonna serve as sort of an introduction, like sort of a kind of an origin story, if I remember correctly. Yes. Gonna gonna fully yes no. cop gonna fully cop to we We're gonna be talking about Metroid Other M. Yeah. Uh I don't want to Belabor it too much because like the Metroid other M is bad horse was beat to death years ago when that game actually came out, yeah, but it's interesting to talk about in context of our current discussion because it shows a lot of ways that this can go really wrong <laughs>
0: so i I guess just because Metroid is something i I revisit frequently and is mm-hmm. uh, probably a little bit more prevalent in my mind. Uh, this is technically not Samus's first talking game. Um, she has a couple lines in Metroid 4, which came out like, I want to say I was in second grade. Um, I've never but played like, Metroid 4. Huh? Never played Metroid 4. Uh, Fusion for the Game Boy Advance? Oh, then I have played Metroid 4. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Got there. Uh, yeah. Uh, but anyway. I love um, Fusion. Fusion's fucking great. I forgot that she talks, though. Uh, so... For most of the game, she has, like, these journal logs uh, where she just kind of muses to herself about events. And, like, that's not really, like, a huge voice, so to speak. But um, she does have a, like, she has a couple scenes. The first major one is when she kind of realizes, like, these Metroids, these super dangerous parasites that I was hired to exterminate, completely wipe out. Um, well, it looks like the government is recreating them. <laughs> that's Oopsies. sketchy i'm gonna <laughs> yell at my superior officer and then she does that um and i think you know she has like maybe a couple lines a- at the end of the game uh so you know you she speaks but like not so much that like her character is kind of defined by her words over her actions yeah like in other games metroid other m came out i want to say eight years later uh and it's either 2010 it or is... 2011 yeah, it is very text heavy. Mm-hmm. Um, also, worth uh,
1: worth noting, and this is just just an aside, just you know, keep this in the back of your head. Nintendo had this character that was like the video game like badass lady protagonist, where the fact that she's a lady like isn't belabored. Uh, she wrote the book on that. You yeah, might even like, say, like, she is she is a female character, and they don't feel the need to like rub that in your face they just let her be a badass female character which is you know kind of as progressive as video games as a medium get
0: honestly it was it was kind of a last minute decision they already had the character they had the abilities um they wrote the instruction manual already and then like someone just suggested yo what if she was a woman and then like the rest is history yeah um which
1: is great and then, for this game in which they were going to give her a voice and give her agency, they gave the game to team Ninja, whose most notable contribution or like most maybe notorious contribution to the world of video games is that they pioneered the term jiggle physics, oh my god <laughs> for the yeah yeah they Dead did or do live games in which each of the female characters in a bikini's boobs would be rendered. With its own physics engine. <laughs> that is a decision that blows my mind, and I think that if you keep that in mind, it will make a lot of what we're about so, to talk about make a little more
0: sense. So I, I actually do want to stop you right there, because yeah. believe it or not, Team Ninja is not to blame for the writing another Other M. Or... I, no, I mean, I mm-hmm. I wanted to
1: come around on that. Team Ninja was responsible for the gameplay. This game is a mess developmentally, because the visuals, like the, the cinematics, were outsourced to yet another company, so, like, the okay, gameplay I did was Team Ninja. About that. Yeah, like, the gameplay was Team Ninja. The cutscenes were farmed out to another, like, audiovisual company. Uh, Like, there's a great episode of Extra Credits on YouTube that you should go watch where they talk about, like, what went wrong with Other M. And there's a lot that can be learned there. And I'll, you know, I'll leave it more to them. They do a better job of historicalizing this game than we'll be able to. But. Suffice to say, it was a mess, and what we ended up with was not Samus. (laughs) People were mad. Um, People people still are mad. I'm still mad.
0: Yeah, like, uh, I'm not mad anymore, but, like, there was a while where people thought that was the death of the franchise. That's how bad this game was. Or that's how bad this game was received, rather. Like, mechanically, the game was fine. Uh, Story-wise, the game is really dumb, but fine. It's Um, called Other
1: M, which is kind of like Mother.
0: Oh, God.
1: Like, I I just saved you. I just gave you the thesis (laughs) statement of Metroid
0: Other M. You know, anyone who's never heard of this game thinks he's lying, but he's not. (laughs) So, Um, okay, Uh, let's actually talk about the character, though. Um, So, you know, uh, like we were saying earlier, Samus is this really cool character in that... A lot of what her personality is and what she does is up to you because mm-hmm. so much of the Metroid games are these lonely, isolated experiences. They are all basically you exploring an isolated alien planet with no other, no other, uh, the life that is sentient on that planet is hostile. So, yep. like, there's no real supporting cast. There's no, there's no one for Samus to really bounce her character off of. So, with that in mind, uh, other M kind of goes in the other direction. uh it's almost kind of got like a slasher movie uh format to it, so Samus has a lot of characters to talk to, most of which get axed off by the end. yep, but um anyway, uh you know, Samus prior to other M was largely up to the interpretation of the player and how they wanted to perceive her actions and what she does. um There's also some uh there is some supplementary material. there was a prequel manga. Uh, that like went over her entire origin story and stuff like that which can inform your thoughts on the character as well i'm not going to get too much into that because that's obscure stuff but <laughs> <laughs> but it's there um and i think it is important for like how the metroid fan base as a whole has perceived this character um usually stop uh very stern ready to take Not ready to take orders, but, like, ready to help those in need. Quick to respond to distress signals. Very professional. Yeah, More than one game
1: begins with just, like, there's a distress signal on this planet. You were just passing by, but you're going to stop in and see what happens.
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. There is a lot of free... Like we were saying last episode, there is a lot of freedom with how to perceive this character. And so let's get to Other M now, where Samus is... Oh boy, where do we start? Okay. Oh. Here's where we start. Um, so I think the I, I've seen like the demo reel for the actress for Samus in this game and, you know, as fate would have it, she's actually a pretty good actress. Um yeah. so I wanna I wanna get that out of the way. Uh, a lot of people like to attack actors and actresses for poor deliveries or poor uh, performances. That is not always the case yeah. and a lot of the a time case...
1: a lot of the times that can be you know, not to say that actors never make mistakes. Like, exactly. I have had plenty of roles where I'm like, Uh, that was not my best work. Right, right. But a lot of the time, part of that, you know, a, a fair amount of the blame can also be placed at the feet of directors or even the script itself. Like, there are some scripts that are just hard to act and hard to get anything
0: good out of. So, with Samus in this game, Metroid Other M specifically, Samus is voiced... The way she is directed is follows a trope in Japanese performance. Uh, that's because the voice direction was done in part by the game's director. I don't remember his name. You'll have to forgive me. But... Uh, Yoshio Sakamoto. Oh, thank you. No, you that's the that desi- on hand. That, that might be just the designer. I don't know if he did the voice direction. Uh, Either way. It sounds right. But anyway, uh, he, he did the voice direction for Samus's English voice. And so... Chris, I've talked to you about this before, like, in, like, Fooly Cooly and stuff like that. Uh, So, Samus is based off of a very Japanese stock character archetype called the Kudere. um, And that's kind of, like, a woman who is, like, very passive and monotone and cold. And so, you know, Samus being a silent protagonist, that archetype actually kind of fits well with her. But, like because that is not everybody's shared Samus, like, the fact that they took this hard route with her kind of takes away, like, whatever version of the character anyone had. Yeah. Um. Where, like, now instead of committing to a characterization of Samus, they have committed to the lack of character for Samus. Yeah, uh, and which so is less the,
1: exciting in kind of inherently... Yeah,
0: the actress kind of is forced to deliver her lines with this monotone, calculate, like, very calculated, monotonous voice, and, you know, again, that works for Japanese vocal performance, because that is something that is culturally known there, that is something that, you know, a Japanese listener or someone listening to a Japanese performance can hear and identify and understand. That doesn't quite make the jump to English so well. Yeah, And so you have this Samus who will have, like, long droning monologues about her past and her relationship with her commanding officer, who she sees as a surrogate father figure. And it just really takes away a lot from the character.
1: Yeah. And I want us to, you know, there's more to say on this. Again, this is kind of a dead horse at this point. Uh, just Other M, you know, not being good. But I think the thing about it that is most egregious to me, uh, to go back to something that we've discussed multiple times on this podcast, character is action. Like, if you want to know what a character is really about, look at what they do, not what they say. And in Other M, you know how I said a little bit ago that a big part of the Metroid games has always been, like, you have to explore to, like, find the gear that you need to take on bigger challenges, Uh, Sometimes it's because your suit has been damaged. Sometimes it's just like, eh, I'm going to go see what this planet has. In Other M, if my memory serves me correctly, you don't go finding your gear. You just don't turn it on until your superior officer tells you to. Yeah. And, like, for me, that is the biggest... That's the, like, twist of the knife into this character that hurts the most. Because, like, in making that choice, in making it so that Samus just, like waits for this dude to tell her it's okay to use the Super Blaster, you take away so much of her agency, and you take away so much of, like, the actions in previous games that have defined this character and have made her so beloved for so many people. And, like, that... I don't know, I think that that, more than
0: anything else, is the biggest, like... Man, shoot, why did you do that? And a huge subplot of this game is uh samus's relationship with this superior officer yeah. and i actually don't remember where i was going with this uh, i mean th-
1: i re- to be again i i don't remember a ton of this game my mind didn't mm-hmm. want to hang on to a lot of this, the details but from what i recall that relationship is very like for lack of a better term it feels very mansplainy Yeah, Like, there's a very kinda yucky and kind of condescending power dynamic between the two of them that, again, really doesn't gel with the image of this, like, competent, independent Samus that we have gotten through all of these games in which she didn't speak. And to have that be the person who is holding her ability to be at full power away from her for, like, no justified story reason... Yeah, like really stops this from feeling like the Samus that we've known in all the other games.
0: Um, I guess on this topic, there is one more thing I will talk about, and then we yeah. can end that. And I'll preface this first by saying there was an interesting way you could do this, or there there was a nuanced way you could do this angle for this character. That the I I don't think I think they kind of dropped the ball on, but there is. A character in Metroid named Ridley, uh oh. yes, named after alien director Ridley Scott. And looks like he, something Ridley Scott would make. Yeah, he he looks kinda like a pterodactyl, space pterodactyl. Um he is for all intents and purposes, Samus' Joker. He is the thing that kills Samus' parents. That's Chris, right. to address uh yep. earlier discussion. Um and you know, Samus runs into him back when she is an infant. And so, uh, Ridley is, for all intents and purposes, dead, but he is accidentally cloned. It's a long story, I won't get into it. So, Samus runs into Ridley again, and Ridley, who is a character that, within the context of Other M, has never been addressed or talked or touched upon, uh, Samus runs into him and instantly has a post-traumatic shock. Um, she She kind of has this scene where like she reverts back to the helplessness she feels as an infant and she is stunned. And one of the soldiers apparently dies to get her to snap back out of it. And I actually think, (laughs) I think Sam is dealing with, you know, PTSD. I think that is an interesting angle for the character. I think you can do interesting things with that, but there are two reasons why this doesn't work. The first reason is because, Within the story of other M, they don't establish this post-traumatic shock or yeah. Uh, there's like they, there's they no
1: don't... there's no reveal of the Chekhov's gun beforehand for this to be a payoff for.
0: Yeah, so you know it feels cheap in that regard. Um, it it just kind of further infantilizes Samus, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And the other reason why it doesn't really work is because, you know, you as the player. Have fought and killed an incarnation of Ridley at least four or five times, prior to the release of this game. Yeah, uh, the games are out of chronological order, so. But even then, you would. St- I think Samus still has canonically fought Ridley four times up yeah, to this you, point. you
1: you need some kind of hint that this is going to happen for this moment to pay off story wise. Yeah, and also like I, I I agree with you that this could have been done interestingly. Uh, not to. Harp on this game and like hype this game too much, but Iconoclast has a very cool scene near the <laughs> end involving dealing with traumas that is very cool and symbolic and like very well done. Look up the final boss fight of Iconoclast if you want more details on that. Like all this is to say, this kind of story and this kind of character beat can be made compelling and interactive, but that's not what they did. Right? They they made it a cutscene that wasn't earned for a character that we knew nothing about in the context of this game as a story. Yeah. Kind of a bummer. downer note to end it. Yeah, but, okay, let's fix it.
0: Butts, 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 butts. Persona 5. Uh, Don't worry, I'm not going to talk about the Persona (laughs) series. Uh, I I was originally debating whether or not we should, but we're already running into an hour, so I'll make it quick. Uh, All I will say is that those adaptations of those games are weird, because They do this thing where they give each character their implied character, but then on top of that, they, like, say, what if they took the weirdo option every so often? Uh, (laughs) So, like, half of the time you have, like, a compelling character in a story, and then the other half of the time you have someone who feels like they're being controlled by a shithead 14-year-old. It me. (laughs) Um. Which works for games, but not really for a separate medium. And that... Well, had that just distracted you from what we were just talking about. Yep.
1: Now everyone's laughing and having a good time again. <laughs> Thank you all for listening to yet another episode of Backstage Gaming. Uh, like I said, this episode is going to be coming out on the 24th, and then we are going to take a two-week hiatus because ain't nobody got time to record. <laughs> is it going to be a two-week hiatus or just a one-week? Hang on. Let me, let me check this. No, it'll just be a one-week hiatus. We will not release an episode on New Year's Eve. Uh, because I'm going to be traveling the week of Christmas and don't want to have to like cram an episode out in two days, which I'm going to have to do with this one. But shush, um, I love you. It's okay. It'll be fine. Uh, and then, so we will be back with our tenth episode. We've been we're into the double digits, y'all. What we're going to be back fuck? with our tenth episode on January seventh, uh, and we have. A weird idea that we're workshopping for that, so get hyped for kind of a goofy one. Thank you again for listening. It means a ton to us that you are here week after week, or maybe for the first time. We love you just the same either way, and we hope that you will continue to listen and will maybe help us by spreading the word, sharing us on social media, on Twitter, on Facebook, telling your friends, telling your ice cream man, telling the garbage <laughs> person as they take away your trash. They need Please podcasts. Please spread the word in-
0: of BSG Pod. Yeah, it's it's great.
1: Um, and you can spread that word through our social media channels, which Dylan are...
0: We got a Facebook. We got a Twitter. Handle is at BSG underscore cast. We're on YouTube, man. And we also have a Tumblr. If Tumblr is still up, Tumblr is still up, so I'll probably start updating the t- uh, the Tumblr again.
1: You can also please feel free to check us out at our website, which is bsgpod.com. That's bsgpod.com. We've got our episodes up there for download. We've got bios for Dylan and me. We've got a contact page. We've got a page with like definitions of theater terms that we've used that will soon, I'm going to spend some time on my travels doing this, contain some transcripts for our episodes as well. Because I need to get that going because accessibility matters.
0: Shout out to the homie Brennan French. He did our logo. That's B R E N N E N hyphen French dot squarespace dot com.
1: He's a great graphic designer. Bring my friend back, you freak. <laughs> Never. Um,
0: He's mine now.
1: <laughs> Joey from Yu Gi Oh! A bridge.
0: <laughs> uh, I can do all of the voices.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Thank you also to our friend BioQuery for the use of our theme song, dot sound radio volume one instrumentality. You can find his music at soundcloud.com slash bioquery. That's soundcloud.com slash B-I-O-Q-U-E-R-Y. He is great. And one more time, thank you so much for listening. Now, if you'll excuse me, I have to fly to Cleveland and fight Joey Wheeler for control of Dylan's body.
0: Hey, forget about it.
1: Thank you for listening. Have a good rest of your holiday season. I'm
0: sorry. I love you all.
1: Bye. (laughs)